Final Fantasy XII. If you listen to my Top 10 RPGs episode, then you already knew this one was coming. So welcome, one and all, to Turn-Based Memories, where my co-host Zoltan and I play and replay old and new RPGs and take turns sharing our observations. For episode 10, we picked a game both of us have played rather than our usual format of assigning a game that one of us has not played. But we aren't just replaying Final Fantasy XII. We're both playing the new HD re-release, The Zodiac Age, for the first time, which came out in July 2017 for both PC and PS4. The original Final Fantasy XII, of course, came out on PS2 back in 2006. I've played through the original game at least twice to completion, and started playthroughs probably five or six times without finishing. It is also on record as my favorite Final Fantasy game, as I may have mentioned previously. So why is that, I hear you all shouting? The shopping in the game must truly be something spectacular. Actually, it kinda isn't. What is great is the voice acting, my god. Balthier and Bosch, Vane and Dr. Sid, they're all beautifully cast, and the scripts are all very well written. The story itself doesn't quite live up to the trappings of the game. The plot itself needs a lot of work. It wasn't finished after all, but I do appreciate all of the trappings all the same. Despite being full of long stretches of no story at all, then a sudden turn toward sort of an uneventful conclusion, Final Fantasy XII still makes me excited at the idea of what it could be. I still love this game's world more than any other Final Fantasy, and that has to count for something. And what we're left with is very good in its own right. The characters, their relations to each other, they're all a thing that many games are too afraid to be. Subtle understated, and without a heavy reliance on having a dumb player surrogate character outside of Vaughn, who is mostly ignorable. Now, let's talk about the combat. This might be the most contentious part of the game for a lot of people, because Final Fantasy XII lets you automate much of the traditional role-playing game combat process. It will never be quite like the detractors say where the game is only playing itself, but you can set up some great gambits, the game's name for sequences of if-then combat commands, to bring manual intervention to a minimum, and I love it for that. It's like playing an RPG management sim where you're removed from the grunt work of pressing attack or defend over and over. Knowing how to set up a proper gambit selection for your party is crucial, rather than knowing how to navigate each individual fight. And if you truly don't like the automation, it is possible to play the game without them and then put every command yourself if you want to be a strange The game still finds plenty of opportunity to be challenging with this combat system at play. In fact, this game can be outright brutal, especially when tackling the side content. Now, Zoltan probably loves this game because all of the stuff I just said makes grinding a total breeze, 
And even I must admit that grinding is genuinely fun with the Gambit system. It kind of puts you into like a nice zen flow state. And what's more, the Zodiac Age re-release had to speed up gameplay by two or four times for maximum grinding bliss. So about that Zodiac Age re-release, is it a big improvement? Well, yes, I would say it is. The visuals are incredibly sharp thanks to the original being rendered at a higher resolution than the PS2 could output, and also because this is a genuinely very good remaster. The music is reorchestrated in a way that I think mostly improves upon the original soundtrack. Zoltan might have more things to say about the music, but I just like the robust brass instrumentation that this soundtrack relies on. It's not my favorite thing, but I definitely think of Final Fantasy XII and this game's visualization of the world of Italy's when I hear this soundtrack. They also revamped the license board and added the job system into the mix. Now, the license board might be actually the bigger point of contention, not the battle system. The original game, and in this remaster, you need to spend license points on the board to unlock the ability to equip gear. And that gear is stuff you may already have sitting in your inventory that you already bought from a vendor. It's kind of a flimsy conceit, and perhaps an inelegant way of funneling characters into character classes and checking your progress so you don't get too strong too fast. It's made better in the Zodiac Age because you can give each character job-oriented license boards that make them into more unique characters rather than everyone having a single license board and you having to figure out where the classes kind of go on that board. But this is the most understandable critique of the game that I can see outside of the game's unfinished story. Is Zoltan also not wild about the license board? Actually, I have no idea how he's going to take to it, especially the revamped job system, so I'm kind of curious to hear his thoughts. Then, one last complaint about this game that I love dearly, the randomized loot chests. Those are literally hit or miss, and when a chest potentially holds the license to a useful spell, effectively unlocking your ability to cast haste or shell or some other very crucial spell, I don't know, maybe that's not the best design choice. Maybe just like the license board itself, it could be reworked into something a little better. So where does all of that leave us? I think it leaves us with a game that's reaching just a little too far beyond its grasp. But nevertheless, comes out playing very solidly and providing a ton of things to work toward. The Zodiac Age is the best way to play this game, and it still is my favorite Final Fantasy. Okay, Zoltan, how much do you love Final Fantasy XII? Final Fantasy XII, such an oddball in the series. Before 13 came out, there were plenty of people who would say it's the worst game in the series. There were people who thought it was foolish to be turning the most 
famous JRPG series into something with more Western influences. There were people who said, the game just plays itself. What the fuck, man? And then there was the legendary Zoltan. Nobody else in the world had an opinion as fleshed out, as philosophically deep, as undeniably accurate as mine, his, ours. I am the legendary Zoltan, so when I say him, I really mean me. The following audio is an interview with the legendary Zoltan and Famitsu Magazine, the biggest gaming publication in all of Japan, conducted at the time of the original PlayStation 2 release of Final Fantasy XII. Oh, uh, excuse me. Are you the legendary Zoltan? Yes, I am. Oh, you got the... Eto. What, what do you think about Final Fantasy XII? Final Fantasy XII? Hi. It's pretty good. And there you have it. Final Fantasy XII. It's pretty good. Final Fantasy XII is in a subgenre of RPGs that I have created myself called RNB RPGs. An R&B RPG is one that is best played while listening to Stevie Wonder. Pfft, no, it is a game where seemingly all you do is run and battle and run and battle and watch some cutscenes and run and battle. The best example of this subgenre is Rogue Galaxy. So much running and battling. And Final Fantasy XII is a close second. Even the side quests are just running and battling. You have to run to, the, to a tavern to look at the bulletin board and pick a hunt. Then you run to the petitioner. Then you run to the location of your mark. Then you battle it. And finally, you run back to the petitioner to get your reward. Gameplay-wise, that is nearly the whole game. So how can Final Fantasy XII be any fun at all? I'll tell you how. They make a big deal out of it all. RPGs constantly have you travel entire countrysides on foot, and it's the easiest, fastest, just trivial thing ever. Sure, there are battles along the way, but if you've got a bag of potions, you are set. It becomes a trivial thing to walk halfway across the world. The two other games I've played that make the journey a big deal are Dragon Warrior 1 and The Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion. Dragon Warrior does it by giving you very little supplies and making you fight lots of battles. Oblivion does it by just making the trip freaking long. FF12 does it by having excellent voice actors tell you the long-ass route you're going to take while showing you a sweet CG simulation of it on a map of Ivalice. Then you have to go shopping, then you have to set up your gambits, then you start walking and it is very far, like Oblivion, and there are a million battles to fight, like Dragon Warrior. And once you finish the entire trip, hours and hours of traveling and battling, you get sweet ass cutscenes as a reward. That is the pace of Final Fantasy XII. Five hours of traveling, ten minutes of cutscenes, repeat. I don't want to hear another game critic say, the pacing has issues about any game ever again. There is no objectively good pace for a game. I freaking love long-ass dungeons and long-ass cutscenes, like in Xenosaga. Best pace ever. 
Final Fantasy XII actually integrates the pace into the overall experience in an ingenious way. For the first two-thirds of the game, you keep going on these exponentially longer and longer trips. First, you just gotta go to the Giza Plains, but then it's through Barheim Passage. The next trip is across the Ogier Yensa and the Nam Yensa Sand Seas. You know, just the two largest deserts in the entire world. But we can top it. We can top it. Because the next trip, first we gotta go to Nalbina, and then just go north past there through the, nor the Mosforan Highways, into the Salika Wood, come out at the Fawn Coast, go across it to the Sita Uplands, and then through the Sochin Cave Palace. And after you finish the longest trip in the game, killed a million animals, walked a hundred miles, and ranked up over like 500 license points, the game forces you to stop and take in the scenery. You've been walking across all these beautiful landscapes without any time to relax and enjoy the view because one, battles everywhere, and two, horrible camera. But now that you've arrived in a depressing, ugly-as-hell slum, you get one of the most dramatic world-building sections in the game. You're stuck in front of the gates to the capital of uh, the Empire. And the only way in is to learn the value of information. All the license points, level-ups, and cleverly crafted gambits in the world can't help you now. So what are you going to do when this guy tells you to go obtain whatever information you can from the people around here? All you can do is talk to every goddamn person in the entire place. And they lay it on thick, man. Just pick any random person, stand next to them, get a good close camera angle, and press the X button. Let the dramatic chords of the background music wash over you and read about how this person was living the good life up in the capital and lost it all because someone lied to him. Or how this person had dreams and now they're all dead. Or how this guy used to make a living destroying other people's livelihoods. It can bring a man to tears and it's a pretty epic method of making the Empire feel completely different from the rest of the world while forcing you to read a bunch of lore about what kind of place it really is. And it continues when you get inside the city where you get to you get a good reputation by helping all the random people solve all their random problems. Getting back to the running and battling, the gambit system makes it completely painless to fight tons of enemies. And when it comes to the Zodiac Age, you can even turn up the speed to as much as 400%. Jesus Christ. I don't care what anyone says. Setting up your gambits so that all you have to do is run around with the analog stick is the greatest idea ever executed in all of gaming. It makes the gameplay itself automatically. Man, shut your bitch ass mouth. It only performs as well as you can program it, and you can only program it perfectly if you've played the game before or you're over-leveled. And all you're gonna do is press the X button anyways. How much interaction with the game are you really losing by turning on gambits? The speed options, on the other hand, actually do kind of mess up the experience. Aside from detracting from the feeling of, the, of being on these epically long journeys, it actually makes the game way easier because as soon as you find a good chain building area, say for example, the Lusu Mines where all those zombies rise up out of the ground, 
you'll just turn on quadruple speed and wreck zombies for like 20 minutes and you can build a chain of 400 in that time. And all the loot drops will heal your party so you don't have to worry about anything. In an attempt to preserve the feeling of the journey, I tried to resist using turbo speed, but I failed. To conclude my thoughts on Final Fantasy XII, the Zodiac Age, if you like running and battling, this is the game for you. They dress up the gameplay beautifully with a, with a great war story, unbelievably good writing and voice acting, great art and graphics, amazing Star Wars inspired cinematic music, and sexy black chicks. Oh yeah. Welcome to our discussion section. This is the part of the episode where my co-host Zoltan and I do a little bit of an unscripted back and forth. Uh, usually what we do is have one of us ask the other one all the questions, mm. and then we have a discussion that way. But this time, since we both played the game and we're both very familiar with it, and we both replayed it for this episode, uh, we're going to take turns... So it's going to be a question for me, and then a question from Zoltan, and so on and so forth. So, Zoltan, how you doing? Doing good, man. Excellent, excellent. So let's start. Uh, I'm going to kick it off with a kind of a base one. Okay. Uh, what was your sort of play style? What kind of equipment did you pick, like the weapons, and by extension, like what jobs did you pick? And, and maybe like what gambits did you pick, if you remember? Okay. Yeah, I have a, a great answer for all this. Um, I basically uh, mostly used Vaughn, Pinello, and Bosch, it was? Yes, and Bosch. And their mm -hmm. main jobs were Vaughn as a monk, uh, Pinello as a white mage, mm. and Bosch was a machinist, but I only had him a machinist, not because I wanted to use all of the machinist abilities, just because I wanted to give someone a gun. Because yes. I don't know which uh, which enemies have high defense or whatever, but um, the gun pierces defenses no matter what. Right. So it doesn't never... do much against the clan enemies, though. Yeah, because they they're weak to magic and not physical. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's I think, why. I think that's the, the reason why. I think you're right. Yep. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think they ever tell you. By the way, the gun pierces enemies' defense. Like I don't think they ever tell you uh, yeah. that. I don't. I knew that, but I think I may have learned that from a guide, not the game itself. Yeah, I learned it from the official strategy guide on the original <laughs> FF12. So um, nice. Yeah, and yeah, I, I tried lots of other things. Like I was doing Lancer with Fran and Archer and stuff for a while, and they were all pretty cool too. But as far as effectiveness of, <laughs> of uh, you know, just running through enemies, you know, at 400% speed, the way that mm -hmm. worked well for me was to have Pinello almost entirely dedicated to healing and uh, mm -hmm. re, uh, re, re uh, I'm sorry, clearing my status effects have basically just Vaughn be concentrating on most of the damage. And uh, I let Bosch do some support, but 
mostly just assisted damage with the gun. And that was it, basically. Mm. I tried some other stuff. Uh, I did one where I had Balthier be the time mage, and, uh, mm. and I let him just, like, cast um, Shell and Protect on my entire party all the freaking time. So we just have Endless Shell and Protect. <laughs> but that burns through a lot of magic points, yo. <laughs> It does, but you can set yourself up if you get enough of the, like, gain MP after attack Just or a, taking yeah. damage. You can sustain your MP pretty well in this game. Mm. So that's what I mostly did, and it was pretty fun, and I didn't bother using hardly any abilities. Uh, I did try a little bit of Black Mage action for a little while, and I was like, yeah, whatever. I'll just hit people <laughs> with Vaughn. <laughs> Yeah, physical definitely trumps out magic a bit. Like, it's way more reliable. You don't have to worry about a thing being healed by your attack for yeah. the most part. The only thing is you can get caught a little flat-footed when the game's, like, immune to physical. Yeah, like but it's all not of a sudden. Often. It's not, not that, that often. Not that often. It can catch you, but it's, yeah, like you said, not that often. Yeah. Uh, what I did was I used uh, Balthier, and I used him as, like, the main guy who ran around because he's cool. Yeah, he's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I used, um, I believe, Bosch and Fran. I think those were my mains, but I leveled everyone pretty evenly. Well, everyone gets leveled evenly either way. No, they don't level. No. What they only get license points. Oh. They don't gain any levels. Okay, maybe what the reason a lot of mine were... You're right, they don't... I remember now. They didn't level up. But a lot of mine were leveled up because I leveled up when Vaughn was alone. I'm sorry, you don't know what that means. And so <laughs> and so, when you meet the other characters, they arrive like at the same level as Vaughn. Yeah. That, that's what I mean. So, yeah. Mine, oh, yeah. So, in the beginning, I leveled up a lot with Vaughn, just Vaughn, and then everybody else was the same level as him when I met Oh, whoa. You went bananas early on in the game. Kind of did. Yeah. I was like, well, oh, whatever. What level were you at? So, <laughs> I, I, think, I think I went up to level 30 really early. Holy on. cow. Yeah. And then after that, so, like, I remember, yeah, I had uh, people who I didn't use were around level 30 for a long time. Uh, and at the end of the game, my main character is like Vaughn was like almost level 60. And then one time I wanted to switch in Balthier, who was only level 30 at the time at the, like the end of the game. <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah, you can beat this game at like level 50. Like that's, I yeah. think, the natural end point. But yeah, I mean, you can go crazy and get up to level 60, 78. Yeah, uh, I, but I did that thing yeah. that uh, it, it's totally cheesy, <laughs> but I wanted to do it anyway for the fun of it. There's this uh, rare monster in the Wester Sand, I believe, or is it the Ester Sand? In uh, it's called Dustia. It's called Dustia. Do you know about this enemy and how to use uh, it? You know what? I've seen that crop up in threads, but I don't think I ever actually read into it. Okay, it's it's one of those uh, random rare monsters, and every rare monster game has just uh, a different uh, criteria for spawning, and the criteria for mm -hmm. this random monster rare monster is that you be almost dead and so you just walk mm. into the screen almost dead he appears he's a rare monster and he's way above like the beginning of the game level so but he's undead phoenix down him instant death a thousand ah. experience points every time you Whoa. kill him so i i have heard of i've seen many many threads in on game facts back in the day like i'm surprised i'm remembering this that were just called Dustia Chaining. Yeah, 
that's it. I did that today <laughs> or I mean, oh, this time. Man. <laughs> so it's fun. Holy cow. I, I actually never knew what that was until just now because I never checked it. I was never like big on chaining or really grinding because I in this game, even though you can do it and it is really fun and I did it a little bit. Yeah. I always felt like, uh, you know, the natural difficulty curve is satisfying enough. I didn't feel like throwing it too far out of whack. But mm-hmm. um as far as like the character classes that I use, not to get too far into the weeds, uh, I used um, uh, Balthier was uh, the Bushio, I think they called they they did weird things Bushi. with the class names Bushi. I think uh, Bushi Samurai, means Samurai basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was that and a knight because you can be dual class. Remember? That's right. Yes, I do remember. Uh, and it kind of breaks the game, but. <laughs> You can dual class only in this remaster. Yes. Um, and so he was a knight and a samurai, and Bosch was a time mage, and a uh, I think he was also a knight because I needed him to do some damage. And then Fran was a black and a white mage. I see. And that was kind of the thing. Uh, but you can script so, so I like that. We'll we'll get into this when we get into the license board. So I'm gonna let you ask your next question. Okay. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Unless you had something else to add. Nope, nope. About this section, uh, that was basically it. Although they did mention equipment in your uh, question here that I'm looking at. And uh, I didn't really get any amazing equipment. Like, mm. I didn't find any of the ultimate weapons. I, I did. I. I, like, the best weapons I had when I beat the game was just I bought everything. I had a ton of money at the end of the game, and I bought everything at Balfenheim Port. One of everything. Uh-huh. I just bought one of everything. And then I just sure. hit the optimize. Which, I, actually, I would say <laughs> the optimize function in this game works. I never trust those buttons. I was like, I'm doing it myself. <laughs> I mean, I don't think there are any pieces of equipment in this game uh, that, you know, like, up your up your evade by a large amount and then it's a little bit less defense or anything. I don't think there are any pieces of equipment like that. Usually... Everything's a little bit better than the previous it's one. It's a linear increase in the in the category that you're allowed to equip. Yes, that's right. <laughs> it's really like no hard thinking in terms of upgrades. Yeah. Not really. Yeah, you're not really. Well, I mean, you are making builds with the classes, but I mean, not with the equipment. Yeah, but you choose that so early and you're yeah. locked into it permanently. That's right. <laughs> the game even warns you. It's like, hey, can't undo this. Yep. <laughs> okay, my next question then. Uh, you mentioned the one of the best things about this game was the world building. And I assume that means like the lore of the world, right? Mm-hmm. I actually never looked up the phrase. <laughs> so yeah. how much did you dig into the lore, say, in the menus? Like, did you go into the uh, um, the bestiary and read about all the monsters and stuff? Yeah. You did? Mm-hmm. I nice. did. Uh, not for this run-through, but there yeah. was a time. Because you know how the bestiary works where... You kill a thing enough and it unlocks more lore. Yes. Oh, you liked that, huh? I fucking love that. So when I first played this game the first two times, I don't know if I did it 100% on my first playthrough, but definitely back in the PS2 days, I definitely ground uh, was grinding on some of those enemies to unlock the little status bar mm. because you don't always get more info about the enemy. You get info about like the world, the, yeah. the zone they live in, or just random shit. <laughs> it could have nothing to do with that enemy or where they're at or anything. It's just like, 
uh, some of them are in like a series of like uh, stories told by some bartender. I, I forget what they're mm. called, but there are like different chapters of lore that slowly unlock themselves, and the writing is really, really, really good and yeah. really kind of like it gets up in your brain and you start thinking about some of the things and it's like vague and esoteric. It really hits a lot of the notes that I like in terms of storytelling and in terms of just like theme. It's got this older style of English writing that I really dig. So I got into it pretty heavy. I wish more of that world building and that lore factored into the story that most people saw because it didn't. Mm, indeed <laughs> yeah i remember um i did do that a little bit way back in the day this time i didn't even go into a lot of the menus i didn't touch the bestiary and i didn't uh look at yeah you don't have to yeah i didn't look at the pirate's den that thing where you get all no. these little trophies and things i didn't do any of that stuff this time but i would like to actually <laughs> i would actually like to do that and just know the entire lore of uh of evil east at least as far as what's presented in Final Fantasy XII. Did you know that uh, all the games that this guy, Yasumi Matsuno, all the games he makes are set in Ivalice? I believe it. I, I don't think I knew that, but I believe it. Yeah, so two other games that you would probably love, one <laughs> of which you will be assigned to me by me later, is Final Fantasy Tactics. Uh-huh. Uh, and another one is um, uh, Vagrant Story, which I have not played, but I hear mm. good things about. And I believe mm-hmm. both of those are also in Ivalice. They are, yes. So, I'm pretty into it as well. Certainly better than the the, uh, info logs we got on Final Fantasy XIII. Did you read those? Oh my god, I didn't remember them until you just mentioned them. (laughs) I forgot that shit. Yeah. What a mess that game is. That was messed up. (laughs) That was a mess. I usually do like these kinds of, like, lore dumps which is what the bestiary kind of is, but yeah. it's got to be good. It's got to be written well. Yeah. It's all thanks to that guy, Joseph something or other. I don't know who you're talking about. The guy who uh, lo- who translated the game in this one. He was one guy? It was two guys. What? Yeah, wow. it was just two guys. And, uh, you know, I think the one that always gets all the credit, the one, the name you always hear is the guy whose first name was Joseph, I believe. I'm just, I wish I should have looked it up. But anyway, and this guy, Joseph... Obviously, he did a great job, and I remember him uh, saying in some interview somewhere, he said, when you translate something from Japanese to English, right off the bat, just because of the difference of cultures and the grammar, you're losing something. And so I I take it upon myself to add things back into it. And so, uh, Mm. for example, the character Fran, uh, she talks in her way, totally Mm -hmm. nothing like the way the the original Mm -hmm. Japanese voice actor talked. Does it have anything to do with, like, puns? Because I know Japan Japanese uh, is very, like, pun-heavy sometimes. Well, I don't think that had anything to do with Final Fantasy XII. <laughs> there weren't well, puns I thought, 12, like, one of the bigger... Well, maybe this is getting too broad, but I thought one of, like, the bigger losses of translation is that there are a lot of, uh, maybe not pun, but, like, wordplay yeah. in Japanese that totally cannot translate ever and it's like one of the biggest things that gets lost whenever there's any japanese translation indeed i i imagine that that's why uh dragon quest 8 and nino kuni uh the level 5 games i i imagine that's the reason those games have tons of 
you know, British puns and stuff in them. Probably there were tons of Probably. Japanese puns in there. <laughs> and Man, just... but this was only two people. I had assumed by now that there was like a tomb. Not a big tomb, but like yeah. a group of people, not a guy or two guys. <laughs> yeah, no. They I'm did a great sure. job. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just two guys. And, you know, they, they said that it was hell to finish it all on time because it was just the two of them. <laughs> I wonder how in charge of, like, the scripting, because they had to coordinate all the localization with the voice acting. So, yeah, man, so that's a big job. To be honest, I we should, we should like, one of us, maybe me, <laughs> should uh, research this whole thing. Because, yeah, it's a pretty, uh, just going off little random facts that I've read in the past. Yeah, I remember there was something about the guy... Uh, going back to Square Enix saying, hey, we should really make this like this. And he kind of had to push and say, it'll be way better if we make Fran like this instead of the way you had it in Japanese. And and then they said, okay, fine. <laughs> so so he had to push for things, it sounds like. Very interesting. Yeah. Okay, that's that's the end of my question. All right, so we're on to question number three. That's my turn now. So uh, just out of curiosity, I guess, do you recall the old complaint when this game first kind of came out that it was sort of modeled after an MMO and kind of played like an offline MMO? I totally do. And uh, I wasn't sharing the opinion, but, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> but I was similarly to a lot of people of the opinion that this game is like too repetitive and too america focused like too westernish at mm. first at first that's what i felt but then i don't know the more i played it the more i loved it and now i love it to death <laughs> yeah i for me because back then uh i didn't have a, uh, any mmo experience now i have played uh one a lot uh and 14 yeah mm. played that a ton and i i know more about mmos in general so i, I can kind of see sort of what they're talking about uh, but back then and now, uh, I kind of feel like a lot of those complaints were aesthetic in nature. Like, it uh, looked like the little health bars over everyone's head. You don't think that those complaints cells. were were gameplay-ish? Not aesthetic, but actually re reflected the gameplay as well? Mm -hmm. MMO gameplay is so unique to MMOs. Like, there were no skill rotations in this game. Like, I don't know uh, in what way that this game plays like an MMO. Well, I think it looks hmm. and is kind of formatted like one, the way you have like this central hub town and you have these quest dispatchers who send you spoking off in directions from the hub town. And I don't know, there are certain like aesthetic design choices that look like this might or not might, but could be some sort of an extension of what was then recent FF11. Mm. And so I, I think mm. the proximity of that game is what maybe really reinforced that complaint. I suppose it could be, but I feel, I mean, I haven't played uh, almost any MMOs. I played Dark Souls. <laughs> it's not an MMO. I played, nah. I played White Knight Chronicles, which is MMO-ish. And, um, I don't know. It just seems similar to me in the way that it's all about you st You stay on the world map. You just hit the guys in the real time. And uh, there are lots of drop mm. uh, lots of drop items. And then you take mm. all those dry drop items back to the town and sell them or convert them into other yeah, things. 
the drop items were, I think, a big uh, element of it. There, there, there are little, like I, like I was saying, aesthetic sort of design choices that kind of are like adjacent to MMO design, but this is not. This is not. You're not getting an MMO gameplay experience out of this. I don't think so. There I must be it. some game MMO out there that is exactly the same as FF12. I feel like it <laughs> exists. Well, uh, oh, you know what? Now that I'm thinking more about it, FF11 was like uh, that. I mean, I'm not quite. I'm not quite the right person to uh, like to speak on the matter. But FF11 did have. It was a turn-based MMO, and uh-huh. it was kind of bonkers okay. <laughs> because it was turn-based. It wasn't yeah. real time. But Weird. in order for anyone to do anything at any kind of a reasonable pace, what people would do was they would set up these macros that were built into the game so that your character would kind of just do things. Are those like gambits? And I think those are kind of like gambits. Well, when you say set up like mac- set up macros, that's like an... A gambit is a macro. That That's called a macro also? Okay. A macro is just like a set order of commands or inputs. Okay, it's a program. And okay. It's a program. Um, and it's, um, that's essentially what a gambit is in like, you know, more technical jargon, yeah. uh, you know, without using the lore term. Cause it's weird in this game, gambits are a physical item. I don't know if you ever picked up on that. <laughs> oh, the, the, the gambits are physical items. Yeah. They're cards. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, the game does, doesn't really surface that very well. But if you go to the Gambit shops, you're buying little cards. Oh, <laughs> I don't know what right. they are. I don't know what you're doing. Are you reading them? Are they instructions? I don't know what they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. you can't set the Gambit until you bought the card. <laughs> I don't know what the hell. Anyway, um, so yeah, I think we both heard that, that, old, that old complaint. I haven't heard it very much anymore. I think people have kind of grown out like i think by now you're buying this remaster because you like the game i think that's why we're not hearing it <laughs> yeah d- definitely by the time we get to the the zodiac age uh yeah nobody's gonna be like buy it and then suddenly be like what yeah. the hell is this a freaking mmo i thought i was playing right. final yeah. fantasy <laughs> exactly no one's yeah. buying this like that's the next final fantasy oh shit yeah. what the hell like that's not happening anymore <laughs> yeah i mean so you you claim that uh it's not really like an mmo and i'm and you know the conclusion of my answer is uh, I'm not really qualified to say whether it's really like an MMO. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I yeah, I always felt like I could see it, but I was just like, that's a very surface level take, and I don't agree. <laughs> okay. All, <laughs> All right. right. Next is my question. Was there any? Okay, I wanna I wanna get uh, two two questions in one because I just added sure. another question while listening to you. So let's talk about graphics while at the same time mm. I ask you the question, was there any point in exploring the world for you? Because uh, what's in the world? Okay. What do you find, right? Mm. You find chests? Did you find anything else? Uh, <laughs> um, or was, were the there graphics are, enough? Uh, uh, I mean, exploring... I would usually try to fill out the map if only to fill out yeah. the map. Yeah, yeah, I was doing like, that too. Because I didn't want to have any gray areas. And there there were chests, and I would find, you know, mission-critical things in the chests. I don't know <laughs> if this is, if I'm misremembering, and only this remaster put spells in chests, because I don't remember that. I don't or, think... On the original. Yeah, I don't think there were any big spells. Like I don't think there were any licenses in chests. The way there are now. Light? You mean gambits? 
Yeah, no, licenses. A license for the spell. That's what you were finding in those. Like, I found haste oh. in a chest. No, no, no. The, the well, license for haste. Well, not the license, the spell itself, right? Like the scroll or whatever. Well, the, the. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you're not right, the, the license. The license is on the board. Yeah, you're right. But, uh, yeah, you find, like, the spell that you would normally buy the spell scroll at the shop, but you just That's find right. it in the God, chest. This game is so weird. <laughs> I know. And, and I was the same way about the chest, man. Like, dude, I, I hit the freaking button. Almost all the goddamn time, it's, like, this insignificant amount of gill. Is it not? It's better than it was because think back to the original game. How many knots of rust did you find? <laughs> well, way more than now way more than now but I actually uh, I, I equipped that stupid diamond armlet which says allows you to search to the very depths of treasure chests <laughs> and I'm like well that sounds good and I kept getting knots of rust all over the place so I think I don't yeah, know what good items you can get with that thing uh, yeah I think what it does is it ups there's like different tiers of rewards that any given chest can drop and that yeah. armband does something to those tears okay, and yeah. you can actually screw yourself out of Ooh. good loot because certain things exist in the middle tier and you don't get them then oh I think God. is what it does. It's either, it's like a min max type of thing. I don't know the details, but I think what it is, it either gives you access to the lowest or the highest tier item and there are things in the middle that you might also want. So people are like, wearing that thing all the time, actually not the best, best thing to do. But I don't think, I, clearly it didn't ruin the game. I guess so, but man, does it increase the amount of knots of rust you get. <laughs> I think that might be why. I, I don't know. I didn't get very many in this game, but I also didn't wear that bracelet. Mm, yeah. Because I, I was afraid I would like... Screw I would, yourself well, out. Screw myself stuff. out of something or just like not be defensive enough because they're really good for equipping like immunities on mm -hmm. your characters. That's what I use bracelets for. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, in terms of exploring, um, I, I wanted to fill out the map just sort of naturally. I wanted to make sure I wasn't missing anything in the fucking random chests. And mm -hmm. um <sighs> The graphics in general, I mean, we're just asking, like, what did I think? The art and stuff, because, uh, yeah. Cause, I like it a lot. Yeah. Well, here, here's another question then. Uh, forests are pretty. What do you think of this thing being set in a ton of deserts? There are a lot of deserts. Right? <laughs> like you start in a desert, and most of the areas around it at first are deserts, and then you go further, like and you get to some... Five or six major deserts. Right? <laughs> Nam Yen Sand Sea, Ogir Yen Sand Sea, Wester Sand, Giza Plains. See the uplands are basically another desert. Yeah, I know, right? But like, were it's they pretty to you? Step. Were they pretty to look at? I mean, uh, I can agree that things like the Sarabi Step and the Sea Uplands were much of a muchness. Like they were kind of, yeah. Like, all right, like these are giant, giant areas. Yeah, I like the game enough that that definitely helped me to gameplay and like the the ease with which you can get through fights helped me kind of push through. But those were not exciting moments about okay. the game. Not not by far. No. What but about? Yeah, I like the way the characters are designed. Yeah, I like that look, which definitely follows through 
on the rest of this game and like the loose Udalise series. All the characters kind of look this way. Yeah. Um, like the art. I think the uh, the uh, direct um, art director. The, I'm sorry. The character designer, I believe, is the same guy that did uh, Final Fantasy Tactics. If you go into the yeah. Pirates Den. Like those little sprite dudes, that's kind of what his art looks like in yeah, it's, I think the as well. East, there's like an Ubalese team where there was yeah. at Square. Yeah, there was. And uh, I don't know anymore. But um, also Vagrant Story looks a lot like this. Yeah, I've seen uh, enough of that game. Yeah, so that guy does a pretty good job with the designs. I like it. I, it's kind of more my jam. It's like this sort of stylized realism. It's mm. not too anime. It's not too going for pure like high fidelity yeah. it's just really interesting subtle blend of the two mm. i liked it too how what did you think of the uh the sand sea because i actually thought that that places uh visual style like the design where you're on these big metal pillars and stuff and walkways <laughs> in the middle of this desert was really freaking cool to me and i never thought I, i'd I be interested in it I'm sorry. I was kind of fascinated by the the look of it, and I was like, "Man, a sand sea! This is sort of like a really creative take on like oil rigs." Is basically what oh, you're yeah. running. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. It does look like oil rigs. And yeah, and it's just like replace the water with sand. weird, loose, shifting sand. And I was like, "That's really cool. It's a cool idea." And you kind of import all of like the, you know, like the what uh, what were those guys in the desert in uh, uh, Star Wars? The Ewoks? No. Uh, no, the the Sand Raiders, I think oh, they were called. Yeah, they had those or guys. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. It basically had those guys, and that's another <laughs> criticism that this game sort of has leveled as it seems to borrow themes from Star Wars. Yeah, whatever. Much, maybe. <laughs> I'm okay with it, but they, they imported that into this sort of like also seafaring sort of theme. I thought it was cool and creative. Cool. Yeah. I, I know that... Um, in general, I like the worlds I'm in to be pretty, and uh, especially going up to the PS2 era, like through the PS1 era, I was like, man, if the world's not pretty, I mean, at least as pretty as you can get for PS1, it's going to mm-hmm. suck. And then you play uh, Dragon Quest Eight, and it's almost all forests, and there's like one little piece of desert. And I'm like, dude, this is the most beautiful world ever. And when you finally get to the little piece of desert in the game, it kind of doesn't bother me. It's just like, you know... The contrast and the colors kind of bright. It doesn't look bad, actually. And then later I played... No, maybe before that, actually, I played Final Fantasy X. And that game's desert. Actually, the sand is actually quite pleasing to my, to my eye. And one day I just decided, you know what? I think I'm okay with deserts. I, I don't have to have the lush forest all the goddamn time anymore. And Final Fantasy XII kind of furthered it for me. I didn't really care about the west, the ester sand. But the sand storm in the Wester Sand looked pretty cool to me, and freaking the sand sea with all the the walk, iron walkways, rusty walkways, just looked so freaking neat to me. Yeah, I like it. I like the the theme. I like the design of this game. I think there is there's precious little that they show beyond the stuff that you run around in. Like there's all this other places. There are like two gigantic forests too. But um, I, I don't know. I always wanted to see more. Like, I always felt like you were running around just like this constricted part of the game world. And you were seeing really, really big areas. But there were 
all I don't know, hard to describe, but they were all like one area. Yeah. And I was like, what's going on over in like Rosaria? What's going uh, on over in the arcades, which you really never go into. You go into like a location. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I I kinda wanted to see more, I guess, like of the world itself because I like the world so much. But what they had on offer, I can kind of see the complaints, like I was saying. Like, some of the areas stretch on. Like, is the Sarabi step strictly necessary, or are they trying to pack out some of this gameplay? I don't know. But <laughs> I like the presentation. But the only reason to explore it is random chests. Am I right? Yeah, baby. Yeah, Get those not that. to rust. I, 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 don't, I'm, I mean, I like that there is a big world. <laughs> But I, I think I'm with you in, uh, on the idea. Like, I keep thinking about the, the, the concept of putting these awesome things as a percentage chance in any random chest kind of seems like a cool idea because, you know, occasionally you walk up to a random-ass chest and it's like, dude, I just got Reflect. I needed that. <laughs> but it, all the rest of the time, it's just like 100 gil, 30 gil, 15 gil. I don't that. It's going to every. It means every game, unless you are an obsessive, it uh. just means the game is screwing you. And you, unless you go bananas and you look into what the loot tables are for every chest, and then you grind out every chest, mm. you're gonna miss something important on every run. And I just, I don't. I think they could have done it way better. I agree, but I don't know what that way would be, to be honest. <laughs> I just. Fucking figure it out. However, other goddamn RPG handles chests. Honestly, they could have just freaking, you know, put the special. If it's me, this is how I would do it. Just, <laughs> it's the most boring way in the world. But here's what I would do: take out all the low-level pieces of uh, of uh, treasure, like gill, knots of things, and even I'm also not a fan of like attack items to use in battle. Yeah, me take neither. out all those also, and then. Reduce the number of chests by like ninety percent, and then just uh-huh. keep whatever. Like, just put the zodiac spear in one of them and make it a hundred percent. Put the sights and grat bow in another one and leave it at a hundred percent. And just if you find it, good job, you get it. <laughs> I think that's how. That's how I would do it too. Yeah, and I'd put the rest of the stuff in the shops because hey, more shopping. <laughs> of course. Okay. <laughs> Sorry for going right, a long time so, on that question. That's all right. Uh, okay, so my turn. Uh, so yeah, license board. Let's get on top of the. Let's get on to the topic of the license board. Um, I think just like the randomized chests, mm. so it's a good segue. I think this is another thing that the game tries to do that's a little beyond its reach. I think that they were trying to go for some sort of open concept. Uh, not as restrictive as the sphere grid, but as potentially dynamic as the sphere grid in Final mm-hmm. Fantasy X, where you could go all the way around and get someone to wherever. Mm-hmm. But more, it was the original license board yeah. was way more open, but yes. it was confusing. And I don't know if they let you know what was behind every spot before you got to it. I don't think they did in the original one. I don't think they did either. Yeah. yeah. I think you had to have the adjacent spots 
like revealed and yeah. then you could see what they were yeah and now you can you can look through the whole board and yeah. see what everything is which is great uh and it saves you a ton of lp <laughs> it does you don't need everything <laughs> yeah no you don't and i know for a fact like Balthier never needed to have his magic more strong he wasn't using magic yeah exactly so anyway um i think you know that's a that right there is a flaw in my opinion but mm. i think what they could have done in order to sort of rescue this license board is and and tell me if you agree okay is um take out all of the equipment licenses just uh, stop no more I see. put in you know rely more like either make them more expensive or just do something to reconfigure the way the license board works I don't know okay. if you need to make it more linear, but you can keep in the things that I like are the stuff like the lore, the remedy lures that increase yeah. what the remedy potions do mm. or what potions do or the stat buffs that let your characters you know use damage. items more quickly or yeah. spells more quickly. Swiftness. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Swiftness. That kind of one. stuff is cool. Maybe have a couple special items on, like the ribbon or whatever, or the zodiac spear yeah. that can be on there because they're special. Yeah. But every goddamn hat and ring and <laughs> doesn't not need its necessary. Own <laughs> it's not hard to unlock those. Like the idea that you would ever get access to that item and not have the LP for it. Like, what is going on? Like, why? Why bother? Yeah, I think um, it's easier this time. Uh, because it I, is. I think they won. I think they lowered the difficulty of the game overall. I think it was yeah. harder before. And then, so for that reason, you, you just kind of don't run out of uh, license points. But uh, yeah, to remove all the... To, do I agree that that would work? Remove all the... It doesn't bother me, to be honest, <laughs> to have the equipment on there. Mm. Uh, just unlocking things in general for the sake of unlocking things. It's a. It's kind of a... It's kind of a scab-picking type of satisfaction that's not really good for anyone. But <laughs> I can uh, understand it, that. No, I can understand it. But it's a satisfaction nonetheless, and so unlocking them all felt nice. But yeah, I, I think you're right. The thing that people don't like about it is the, all the equipment being on there, right? So, mm. yeah. And I would just add to that, yeah, remove the equipment, and, and to make it even better, let's just go kind of full... Sphere grid on you and add in stat more stat boosts like direct stat boosts like like I mean they have some kind of direct stat ones like deal more damage in battle like in well, they have ones that increase your HP just like three hundred more oh ah, you're right there you go but they don't have any that increase magic they don't have any that increase defense mm. or take less damage but I mean the game is balanced a certain way I guess they don't need that I mean. Because there are level ups, right? And since there is in this game weak mode where you never level up, huh. you just beat yeah. the game at level one. That means that the level, the levels are not that important, obviously, because it can be beaten without them. So, right. I guess yeah, defenses aren't really important. Yeah, I I kind of liked, you know, I originally liked the original license board way back in the day. I can get, I mean, everybody did this, and so they felt like the. The characters weren't unique, is that you can get everything for everyone. You can have everybody have lots of magic points and always have their magic points regenerating and use them on whatever they want. And, uh, you know, so they had these three multi purpose characters instead of these three 
specialized characters. And then people would complain. And I guess it's okay to complain because you can't see what the licenses are beforehand back then. Uh, Yeah. but, uh, But now you can. And I was actually surprised to see that, yeah, you don't really need... Uh, when they lock you into classes in like they do in this version of the game, uh, I don't know. It doesn't really bum you out. I mean, they put pretty much all the buffs you would want for that person, at least, in the class, right? Oh, they do. They totally do. So, the way they set it up is mostly fine, but there are, like, some of the original ideas of the license board do get kind of lost through the cracks. Like, When's the last time? Maybe you never did, but when's the last time you used a hand bomb? Never or, did. Never did. Well, that's yeah. just a choice of equipment, right? It's not. Yeah, but they're they're, oh, but they're every the class kind of has a right. Every class has like a main weapon that they want you to go for on the yeah. new license boards. Yeah. And no class means the hand bomb. So if you like those, forget it. It's in one of them. I don't know which one. Yeah, it was in but one it's of not, them. Right? Yeah, they don't start you with it. Also, I think it's the uh, maybe it's the machinist. Yeah, gets Sextants. the measures. Yeah, measures. Yeah, the measures. And I never found I, a measure. I I found a bunch toward the end. Oh well. I had a few, but they're hard, they're tricky to use. I didn't know what they were the first time I played this game. I know they what the fuck those were. So I know but, obviously he doesn't just smack them with the sextant. So what do those things do? <laughs> they're buffs. That's all they are. They, they, you can set up a gambit for like a healer only when character is blah, smack him with the sextant. I don't know. You can do that. Huh. It's so not- you can have like someone attack, you know, Bosch with the, with a measure that gives yeah. him a buff when he's below, you know, 30% health. Oh. And you give him protect. I see. So they're not actually useful against enemies. No, so you would never want to attack an enemy with you. You're just going to give him protect. But, yeah. <laughs> but you actually do just hit the dude with the yeah. with the thing. Okay, I thought it was... It's all it's for. <laughs> wow, okay, I didn't expect that. And they're but... really weird, but there's no class, there's no license board that's like, all right, you're going to use measures. They, like, don't have nah, the ma- all... they don't have the mathematician's job, yeah. Right. Which and they that's, have I guess, in what tactics. it is. Yeah, they have it in tactics. Yeah. So That's where it's from, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so some of those little little like uh, cool side things. I know no one like those, those weren't the most popular options. That's why they're not on the license board. But I think the uh, I think some of those little details that were kind of cool about the original but flawed uh, license board kind of got lost. And I think they kind of funnel you down too much. It's sort of like at the risk of sounding impossible to please. Like it went from too open ended to too narrow. And there's no good in between, really. Well, yeah, because uh, it seems like every class, for one thing, it seems to me like every class, uh, every the game is uh, balanced so that you can just, you really only need one class, in my opinion. Because when you go through a license board, you get all the basic, like, main things that a class has. But then Uh once you get near the end of it, you'll, like, find, like, for example, I think it's the White Mage, has access to freaking Save the Queen, the Great Sword. (laughs) And so you can do stuff like that at the end of the game. And then, yeah, you know, some some, one of the classes is going to have the bomb, hand bombs in there. and, uh, And they all have just a lot of other 
abilities. Like a lot of classes have the numerology ability, which I never used well, but I'm sure you could do something cool with it. <laughs> and so a lot of classes have a lot of abilities that I didn't use, but it just, when I look at it, I feel like, okay, they just want this character to be kind of self-sufficient, not reliable on white mages or, you know, people to mm -hmm. use buffs on them or anything. I feel like the game was hard enough, like, or easy enough that you only needed one class. It, with Vaughn, I, I sent him down the monk path, and because you can see all the goddamn licenses beforehand, and because it saves money, I just uh, I got that ability that lets you increases the amount of damage you do bare barefisted. Ah. And then I just got all the battle lores, and I didn't even bother buying him weapons. Huh. Um, for like the whole game and like one time in the middle of the game i was like okay let's see if he does more damage because if you look if you equip something it'll say in your equip menu that he's got way higher stats it doesn't show the stat difference of being barefisted with that ability of having dealing more damage barefisted so put on like the best equipment i could did more damage did, uh, did some damage took it back off Still doing 400 more damage per hit without any weapons. So basically, <laughs> I the thought whole... about going to barehanded. Bare I never did it. It works. <laughs> and Seems uh, like it. I tried to do something really crazy because you can get that ex uh, that accessory that lets you uh, do the same thing, deal extra damage without a weapon. Mm -hmm. Put that on mm -hmm. him, doesn't stack. <laughs> oh. Unfortunately. So it's just if you. Suddenly, want to make someone who's not a monk a monk. <laughs> you could just equip that equi uh, accessory on them, and they'll have that ability, I guess. Hmm. So that's interesting. But anyway, uh, yeah, you were saying it was too narrow. I don't know. I don't feel like it's too narrow, and especially you get two, two. You classes. do get two. That that is new for this remaster. You yeah, didn't get two in the the Japanese re-release. Yeah, you didn't. Yeah. Uh, and you can kind of tell because it really, I think it breaks the game. Like, you have way too much HP and, uh, well, actually, no. No, that stuff you, doesn't you, uh, double. It doesn't double. Yeah. But I, I think um, it doesn't double, but you do get access to more of those. Not, not They don't all have the same stat buffs. Oh, right. So the ones that do sh are shared are unlocked on both, so they're yeah. not doubled, but... You do get access. You do have way too much like MP by the end of this game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna change that. You used to get MP based on unlocking espers. Oh yeah, that's right. The mist charges and stuff. The mist charges are totally gone. It's just one bar now. Well, it's not one bar, but it's it's effectively it it's gone. The amount of MP you have or something. Yeah, yeah it I, does I, not. Nope. And it hmm. doesn't affect your ability to do a quickening. It used to. If you didn't have full MP, you couldn't do a fucking quickening. <laughs> Well, it did have to be full. You just had to have one charge, right? And then you could do one. Uh, I thought it was tied because it would wipe out your MP after you did it. Yeah, it would. I thought it was based on your MP, and it was like it made quickenings even worse than they already are. <laughs> I thought that if you have all three mischarges, then that means you just have to have a third of your MP to be able to pull off. Maybe that's what it was. But Maybe. now it doesn't rely on your MP at all. Okay. I didn't even it's do a single you know. quickening this time. I did them. They're so dumb. I don't know why I did them. <laughs> They're good for if, like, you've got a boss or a hunt that is, like, on the last third uh. or quarter or eighth, okay. more like it, of their life. And they're, they're like, in 
oh shit turbo mode attacking yeah. you over and over. Yeah. And a quickening is good for just like interrupting that and doing a good 30,000 damage. Oh, nice. Which is not a lot on those enemies. It's a uh, big number for one attack, but also a quickening takes like 10 minutes. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I thought that the license boards were fine the way they are, and uh, it actually doesn't bother me that the equipment's on there because having the equipment on the license board, it kind of gives you a visual representation of what you're allowed to equip. Where back in the old days, mm-hmm. in the original FF12, it's like, okay, I'm making this character... I'm sorry. Okay, I'm having this character use some black magic, but then you go to the shop, it's like there's, there's the heavy armor, the light armor, and the mystic armor. And I don't know. I mean, maybe I just need to be smarter. But I always wanted the heavy armor. <laughs> there are definite uh, better armors. So the heavy armor is better for your chest because chest armor um, is physical defense for the heavy armors. And then mystic chest armors are evasion. Oh. And I think the defense itself is probably more valuable. And then... Uh, mystic helmets or hats are almost always better than the heavy helmets because they all uh, I don't think any of them do any defense they all do evade and the Uh, mystic ones just do more (laughs) I see and also the mystic ones give you more MP uh, Uh, yeah I guess so yeah and the heavy ones give you more uh, or maybe the light ones give you more HP or something Uh, yeah there's light heavy and mystic Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, and so like back in the day, it was just like, okay, I have access to all of these, but the freaking heavy armor has the best stats, so I'm going to equip my mage <laughs> with the heavy armor, I guess. Yeah. But now you have this visual representation where they're like, okay, these are the armors you should put on this class. <laughs> and they don't even make it hard. It's like heavy armor one, heavy yeah. armor two. Exactly. It's like, gee, I wonder which one I need. <laughs> yeah, the next number is the one you need. Uh-huh. <laughs> Or guns, one. Guns, two. Yeah. <laughs> God, I found hardly any guns, man. I kept like hoping I'd find really? the... F- yeah, I, I got one kind of early in the game, which made me happy. But after that, I never found another gun. <laughs> what? I found a bunch of guns. Wow. I bought them. What? You didn't buy any? I bought whatever the last one was. <laughs> and I bought one earlier in the game. I didn't see... Oh, no, I didn't go to lots of different towns. I just did all my shopping at Rabinaster and then Balfenheim. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's why. Yeah. Okay. We all spent right. a long time on this question. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, your, your turn. Yeah. This one should be pretty quick. Do you like the side quests? And by side quests, I'm pretty sure the only ones that exist are the hunts. What do you think? I, I do like the side quests. Okay, it takes care of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like them. I think they're great. I think the uh, the challenge that you get, and this would also include the espers, which I guess we'll get into next after this. Um, I think that is the thing that makes this game go from being maybe too easy to being like you got to think about it because uh, some of these fights and they're like puzzles. Yeah. They throw like heavy restrictions on you, yeah, and you kind of have to think about what you're doing with your party in order to win some of these fights, unless you're monstrously over-leveled. Like me. (laughs) (laughs) Even then, if you're level 60, you're not over-leveled for everything in this game. Yeah, I wasn't over-leveled for for everything, I'm sure, but uh, I didn't really take part in the hunts too much, and the reason is quite simply because I have to go back and forth over and over again. 
I yeah, I, I hear that. <laughs> I hear that complaint. It's yeah. totally. I think that's one of the the things we were saying before about the MMO. Like, there's quest giver, and you have to turn in your quest. Yeah, it's very MMO like in that way. Indeed. Okay, I liked them too, except for that aspect. But yeah, I like how uh, there are lots of really just hard battles to fight. Thanks. It's to tough. That. This game gets tough. Yeah. Yeah, that's why. Well, you know, this is the first time through the game. You're on normal mode, so to speak. And then after that, at the, at the end of the credits, and you can only do it at the end of the credits. You can't just like save your game and do it later. Do you want to start a new game plus right now? You can only do it right now if you push X. If you stop now and then reload the game, you have to beat the game again before you can start a new game. Okay, fine. Start a new game. Press X. Start a new game. And then you're a new game plus, but it's even more than plus because uh, I was only level 60 when I beat the game, but I started with a level 90 Vaughn. <laughs> So yeah, new game. There's new game plus and new game minus in yeah. this game, and I didn't beat the game uh, when I noticed I had access to new game plus. I like I clicked new game, and it was like, "You want to do new game plus?" I was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. So now I'm on a second playthrough, assuming I continue it, and uh, uh, after you beat that, that's when you get new game minus, right? And that's I think so. That's like the ultimate challenge version of the game. So. Going back to, you know, the sin, I wanted to just play that version from the beginning, but uh, I have to beat the game mm-hmm. again first. <sighs> God damn it. <laughs> that That is kind of silly, although I thought I had access to both. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Maybe I was imagining it. So if this was going to be my uh, so, ultimate yeah. playthrough, I would have done all those side quests, all those uh, hunts, but it's like I'm just kind of going through it to see the story, yeah. to review it also, and then, mm-hmm. and then, but mostly to hurry up and get to the real game, which is New Game Minus, in my opinion. <laughs> oh, so. uh, I did like maybe three quarters of the hunts, and then toward the end, uh, for time, I was just like, no more cyclists, no more espers. Did you fight the trickster Chocobo guy? I did. That guy's a bastard. Yeah, I remember way back on the original FF12, that guy being really hard. (laughs) He just becomes immune. And then he also shifts his defense. So you have to constantly keep guessing what he's weak to. But, and that's how how you're supposed to win. But if you weigh him out, that, like, paling, that shield goes away on its own. And you just smack him. And it takes way less time to wait for it when you have 400% speed. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Although things quickly get out of hand when yeah. you just like, I'll just go four times. Yeah. And you're like, oh shit, everyone's dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I got to the point where I could just do that on the final boss, even. Oh, I, yeah. I 400% the final boss. It was yeah. okay. <laughs> Probably. It, <laughs> it makes the game too easy, does it not? The uh, speed. I think it opens up. I think the argument that it makes grinding too easy and therefore grinding is like. To pro- like the the check against grinding is your time, right? Yes. So when you reduce your time by four, yeah, reduce the I difficulty the by argument. four. <laughs> Kinda, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's all for that question. Okay, so the next one we've kind of touched on a little bit: the espers and the summons. It's not just me, right? Those things are totally useless. I'm pretty sure I'm only going on my memories of the original because I didn't get, or I didn't summon any of my espers you know mm-hmm. and i only got the ones that are in the in your direct story, story. path 
Yeah. You know, two, I think. Yeah, be Belial and uh, Belial and the first or whatever his name was. There's a guy <laughs> at the top of the of the lighthouse. Oh right. Oh yeah, Famfreet. No, the one right before that. There's three then. Oh, okay. There's Famfrit, that's Dr. Sid's yes. friend. Yeah. And then there's this dude with the weird crab arms before that. Okay, I forgot about so, it. <laughs> but anyway. But uh, yeah. yeah, they force you to use Belial because the game's yes. like, hey, there's espers. Use, use yeah. the espers. But you just have to summon him to open the door and then you're done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and of course, when I did that the first time, I was like, oh, I'll use this guy. And I was like, this guy sucks. Yeah. And it was worse than the original because I think, oh, because you didn't have direct control over your guest characters in the original. That's right. And that included Espers. So now, in the um, in this re-release, any guest characters like uh, Redis Larsa. or whoever, yeah, Larsa, who isn't a party member, you can go into the menu and change their gambits. You couldn't do that before. Yep. Um, you can direct control them by, you know, press A and go into their menu and directly control them. You could run around as them. Couldn't do that before. Yep. Um, you could run around as your espers, which is cool, but who cares? It's probably pretty um, cool, but yeah, I just didn't do anything with it because the game is all about yeah. slashing things. <laughs> it's it's too slow. Reducing your party down to two members is a big handicap. They're not that strong to make up for three party members. Like. Mm. It's it's a waste of time. Yeah. Okay. But so, they're cool. They're the the good thing about espers is having to fight them because it's a cool right. challenging fight. That's Ex- it. Exactly. That's exactly the only thing that I really like about them is that you have to fight them and they're hard. <laughs> they're really they're tough. They're like you can't use magic. It's like yeah. fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question. Okay. So. Everybody says the same thing that you said, which is that the story is incomplete. But upon playing it this time through, I kind of felt like they wrapped everything up. So, I mean, I know that Yasumi Matsuno didn't get to do everything he wanted to do. Uh, and even, like, he didn't even want to have Vaughn in the game. <laughs> he wanted to have Bosch or somebody be the main character. Yeah, I think it was supposed to be Bosch. Yeah. Uh, although I would say in the end it ended up being either Balthier or Ash and not Bosch. But... So, yeah, he didn't get to do what he wanted, and that, you know, kind of hurts my heart, to be honest. But mm-hmm. what they did do, I feel like has all been wrapped up and is a complete story. Is it not? So what is missing from the story? What's missing? Um, I think, um, I, 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 I mean, the Vaughn, addition of Vaughn, for one, is definitely a big, like, red flag. Like, that character was supposed to function as like this like player base surrogate like i said in my segment and clearly doesn't fit in the story he's supposed to be the guy who follows everyone else around and asks all the questions that the player might be asking right and having all all like the whoa cool moments that the player might be having hanging around all these awesome people yeah uh but he's inserting into the events of the story in like awkward ways that never get fleshed out. Like he can see, um, oh, his brother, the and, ghost. Yeah. Yeah. His whole brother was like a thing to legitimize the fact that he could see the, what's his face? Ghost Ash's husband, yeah. v- R- Rassler. Lord Rassler. Rassler. And nothing really becomes of that. 
The other thing that I think so, I think the 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 part the the thing that this game falls apart on is like the last quarter is clearly not wasn't planned to go that way. I think there was supposed to be way more of uh, encounter with the Okuria than there was. Uh. I think Doctor Sid should have been the ultimate bad guy, like some giant menacing version of Doctor Sid. Yeah. Should have been the final boss because he was clearly the antagonist the whole time, mm. or either him or uh, Vana, who just Vanah like himself. fucks off. Yeah, yeah. Um, not Vane. Well, Vane had like nothing to do. He had to do with like the political B plot of yes. the entire thing, and I think that stuff was really awesome yeah. because that kind of like back and forth political intrigue was really cool. Rosaria was clearly supposed to play a bigger role in the plot than it ever did. Mm. Uh, that character, Margrace, Sid Margrace or whatever, is awesome, and you see none of them. <laughs> Sorry, Margrace? Uh, yeah, isn't that his name? With the the really, like, Euro dude with the sunglasses and the chest hair? Oh, yeah, yeah, that guy. Uh, that, that guy <laughs> was awesome. I agree. Yeah, you don't see enough of him, and it was clear to me that he was supposed to be in it more, or his his country, the Rosarian Empire, was supposed to play a bigger role in some level. Uh, There's a whole judge, judge, uh, what's his name, Uh, Zekt or whatever, who just doesn't have a role at all. You never even see him. (laughs) No, no, no. I thought Judge Zekt was freaking Redis. No, you're right. I'm getting the name wrong. There's a guy... um, Gabranth was I in don't there. Remember his name. Um, Gabranth, that was the main guy. There was another guy. I know what his helmet looks like, but that doesn't help me. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Gabranth and Drace. The the female one is named Drace. Drace is the woman. She's in it. Yeah. She plays enough of a role, I think. Okay. I, I'm not expecting a boss fight. There's a there's, there's a, a dude who just The guy who's like, give me the methicite, right? Is it the guy who's like no. on the airship and he's like, Okay, Ash, I'll take the methicite or something. And then they end up there's Judge Bergen. You fight him, and there's yeah. Judge Gabrant. Okay. He's like the main one. Okay, and there's then another there's, one though, huh? <laughs> there's another one I don't remember. Okay. but he's not really in the events of the story. Clearly, he was either written out or just never written in. Yeah, and he's just kind of he's on the sideline. You never see his face even. So. <clears throat> Uh, there's there's elements of this story missing left and right. There's weird things plugged into it left and right. I think there's whole areas of the game that are dropped in to pad out, like I was saying, the Sarabi step, where maybe there should have been a location. Or maybe event. there should have been, yeah, something. Um, but I think they did an okay job with uh, what they had at their disposal. I think what's left... Yeah kind of paradoxically is really intriguing because of how little you're really getting in the end. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it just makes me think about this game all the time to sort of wonder like, man, what's going on with the Rosarian Empire? What's going on in Arcades for real? You know, what's what's going on in even Ravenaster that you really don't like this there's just a lot of this game is cordoned off to you as the player. Uh, and I would love a revisit, like a Final Fantasy twelve two, not yeah. Revenant Wings. No, 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 an actual like like, <laughs> like ten two, except 
yeah. better. <laughs> and it could focus on totally different characters, whatever. I don't care. I just want to be in that world again. I see. I don't know if it'll ever happen. The, uh, I don't know. I mean, didn't they last have Yasumi Matsuno working on a, a, a mobile game? I thought they did. So. Well, I, I don't know about that, but you might be right. But um, I know a fair amount of the design team or, I don't know, some of the team that worked on 12 also did a lot of work on 14, the MMO. Uh. And I could see that. There were certain things in there. And in fact, I think there was a crossover event where you w- uh. would go to Dalmasca. Yeah. In like a, a raid dungeon in fourteen. This is long after I stopped playing fourteen though. <clears throat> I, I've think they, I, I think they put that Faros Lighthouse dungeon in there too. They may have. I don't I maybe, you're probably maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I didn't ever I never played the game. <laughs> um so yeah, I uh, it's okay. it's like the saddest part of this whole game, yeah. but I still kinda love it for it. <laughs> I don't know. I liked the way, I mean, I too wasn't really into Vaughn too much, but I kind of grew to like what his function in the story was. Not the whole, sure. not the whole, he's the player thing, the whole him and what's the girl's name? Pinello. Pinello. Pinello, I thought was way less important than Vaughn, to be honest. Yes. Um. So, but uh, him and Pinello becoming friends with Larza and throughout the like first third or half of the journey, uh, you know, Larsa keeps appearing and disappearing, and then um, every time he's there, though, like they're they're becoming friends with him. And throughout this whole journey, freaking Ash is like, "What am I to do? Do I destroy the entire empire?" Or, <laughs> and and but then like you know, Bosch like, "Look at them. There's hope." <laughs> you know that the Ravenastrian Dalmaskins can. Can coexist with Imperials. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of like yeah. trying to use him in that way. I, I kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, but it's not. I'm doing that thing where I kind of give it a pass because it's a video game story. If I were to judge this like as it a was book. a book, hmm. this story sucks. But <laughs> as the as uh, as far as games go, certainly as far as like a JRPG goes, there's a lot of intrigue in here. I'm curious about. Like the mechanisms behind, like all of like I, I like how they're not afraid to get into the weeds of yeah. like the little tiny details. But yeah, Ash is obnoxious. Like she's so indecisive. She's mm. she's written pretty poorly. But Balthier is really fun, and yeah. everything he says is hilarious yeah. or awesome or quotable. And his father, Doctor Sid, is even more quotable. Yeah. Everything that comes out of that guy's Face is amazing. He sounds a lot to me like Robin Williams, the father, Sid. Really? I thought so, yeah. Like his style Maybe. of speaking I guess I reminded me of Robin Williams. Like a really cynical Robin Williams. Yeah. Not as funny, of course, but I liked it. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Uh, for that all about the story. Uh, so I guess we have one more question, right? <clears throat> Uh, so what did you think about the soundtrack and speci- or, or specifically the reorchestration in uh, the remaster? Well, overall I loved it. And uh, I have a similar, um, a similar fancy as you, and that is all the brass. Even though I mm-hmm. never use brass when I write, I just use strings for everything. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I freaking love how, how, uh, what they did with the brass as well. And 
you know, I'm fine with the uh, Star Wars influence on the music. It's so obvious when you listen to the freaking uh, like yeah. Judge songs where it sounds like freaking the Imperial March and stuff. Just like, okay. Really is. I know where that came from. And I was cool. But my God, there's this one moment that just kind of drives me insane because, in my opinion, it was the best part of the whole soundtrack, and I think that Square Enix thought it was the best song in the whole soundtrack because they used it in the trailer, or at least one of them. And that was the Giza Plains music. Do you remember it? Uh, Giza Plains. Okay, well, I'll sing the part. I would part. know. I've I'll sing the part hours. that I wanted to be good, and I was really excited to hear this part with the, uh, with the orchestration. But because of the dynamics, they made, like... Originally, it's it was a standing out flute or woodwinds part that went. There's that part in the Giza Plains, okay? And it, it, it's a um, it's like a woodwinds or a flute part, and so it's kind of light, but it still it comes way up to the top because right before it there are a bunch of. That was that building string part. Building, building strings. Yes, yes, it yes. builds and builds and builds, and then it's it kind of disappears, and just these flutes come on top. And when I first heard that way back when I played FF2, I was like, holy shit, that was amazing. And <laughs> I was so into it. And I was like, man, it's going to sound so good with live, uh, live instruments. But uh, you can't hear it. You can hardly hear it. Mm-hmm. So the, the buildup dies down. But they let some... Wait. Wait, wait how's it go? <laughs> some, like, violin or something just, like, keeps a sustained note. And that, compi- uh, combined with the fact that the, the flutes or whatever are just quieter, even more quiet than the first time, like I cannot hear it. I cannot hear the da, 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 come in nice and solid like it was before, and I was really annoyed about that one point. That's just my that's my only gripe about the soundtrack. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> I I had a hard time choosing because I I went back and forth when I first saw the option when I started playing the game. I was like, oh, like, let me listen to this, and I would switch it over to the orchestrated, and I switch it back to the original. And I, hmm, which one do I actually is? Is the original one maybe a little more clearer in the original intent? Is the reorchestration maybe a little washed out, or maybe the translation into real instruments is not, you know, as successful as it could be? Mm. I left it on the reorchestration. Um, overall, I think it 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 was successful. I was yeah. I wouldn't have been able to give as clear an example as you did, but I did also feel like. Certain elements, like characteristics of the soundtrack, mm. were just dulled a little bit yeah. by the reorchestration. Uh, they definitely sounded realistic, but and you could definitely tell while playing the original that it wasn't real instruments. Yeah. But the composition, I think, kind of took a, a bit of a, a hit in the reorchestration. And I think the original creative intent was sort of lost somewhere in the translation. But overall, this is a real, if you're going to reorchestrate a soundtrack, 
this is an easier one to do because it it was trying to be orchestrated to begin with. Yeah, Yeah. orchestral, definitely. And it definitely, like, maybe they just needed a better composer or someone to, like, do the translation work into an orchestration, you know, do a better job of it. I don't know. But um, I don't think that there's really any, like, better job that could be done i, I would no. assume they just got hitoshi sakimoto to do it himself i didn't check well, but maybe I don't um know. yeah i'm not sure either but yeah i suppose it's just a lot easier to uh you know eq equalize and uh mix you know fake instruments on a yeah. computer than it is to do a, a live big room full right. of instruments which so there's there's that uh in the case of like Dragon Quest Eight, which is where in um, in Japan they just had keyboards, but in America we got that awesome uh, orchestral soundtrack. Freaking uh, Yoichi, Koichi Sugiyama himself freaking conducted the concert. It was a live concert. It wasn't like let's oh, record wow. this for the game. It's hey, let's have this concert in Japan, release a CD of it, and then I mean, then when America was like making the thing, they're like, well, dude, they just had like this concert. This CD sounds good. Let's just <laughs> copy and paste <laughs> this over the original, basically. <laughs> um, because if you come out here, you go to, into Japan, you buy the freaking cover. Uh, I'm sorry, the the CD of uh, Dragon Quest Eight. It's got a freaking. It's got Koichi Sugiyama's name on the front. It says Dragon Quest Eight, but it's just got like pictures of like the ocean on it (laughs) it doesn't have any dragon warrior pictures on it (laughs) it's kind of funny so this was just a live concert that he was doing (laughs) and then they happened to release it as a cd it wasn't originally intended probably to be used in like another version of the game down the line Uh, okay i see (laughs) so it was definitely that one you know that everything that he wanted happened plus i don't know if his his instruments on a Dragon Quest game freaking keyboards kind of sound like crap to me, and I'm really annoyed that they're not uh, that they're not uh, having an orchestra version of his music for Dragon Quest XI. I mean, it sounds okay, like right? you know, he's a classical composer and the guy knows what he's doing. So obviously, the quality of the compositions themselves are not bad at all. But oh god, the sound quality is just not that good, and you have. Uh, you know, freaking Hitoshi Sakimoto back on the PlayStation 1 with Final Fantasy Tactics making these awesome sounding things. They don't sound real, but they sound awesome. And then you have freaking uh, Motui Sakuraba using all kinds of sampled real instruments in his work on PS2. And then you play uh, just like a Dragon Quest game from Japan or like just the one we're going to get on PS4. It's like, really? This is the quality of the sound? <laughs> <laughs> in do you know how old? Do you know how old Koichi Sugiyama is? Um, he's like going on eighty or or something. He's almost ninety years old. Wow, not bad. <laughs> <laughs> he's still doing it. <laughs> he is still fucking going strong. Uh, but yeah, I think I think we kind of we kind of agree that the the composition and the reorchestration for twelve. Is good. good. I think it's as good as you can expect for a reorchestration of anything. I mean, it's the same thing pretty much with just better quality. Yeah, I think you're right because by necessity, a reorchestration, it's going to lose something of the original intent because the original intent 
was to use the fake instruments. Yes. So it's not working with the same set of rules. Indeed. Uh, so yeah, I, you're probably right. It's as good as it probably could have been done. Yeah. And uh, there's going to be some ups and downs. Yeah, I think a lot of people. No, no, I didn't hear any, you know, big stink raised about this game soundtrack. Me uh, like, like we did about the FF10 HD soundtrack. A lot oh of people. Oh my god. Right, they were so angry, and I heard it, and I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, but uh, you know, I could hear the differences. Like in the main battle theme, they added an electric guitar to it, and uh, the horns are not as like crisp as they were in the original one, where it was all, basically all about the horns in the in the original FF10 battle track. And yeah. man, everybody was pissed. <laughs> they kind of were. I mean. <laughs> I, I kind of saw some of it. I wasn't a big fan of 10, so I didn't really listen to its music a whole bunch. This game, I kind of have, like, even if it's been years since I played it, the soundtrack kind of still, like, drifts into my mind occasionally. Um, but, <clears throat> uh, I, yeah, I, I, I enjoy it. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's very ambient to speak more directly about the soundtrack. It's not... There is like a fair amount of like leitmotif going on, but also mm. kind of not. You know, it's more like environmental. Yeah, I mean, I it's guess. totally. I don't know if you would agree. It, it's a lot more cinematic than most other uh, mm. RPG soundtracks, at least. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, in my opinion, Hitoshi Sakimoto is the guy. Does not get enough credit in general as being a badass. Uh, everybody talks about Nobu Sakuraba. I'm sorry, Nobuo. <laughs> uh, Uematsu, mm-hmm. uh, but I actually prefer Hitoshi Sakimoto, and everybody will agree. Yeah, Tactics has an amazing soundtrack, and some people will say, "Yeah, Valkyrie Chroni- Valkyria Chronicles has a great soundtrack." Uh, but I don't know. I think this one is just too. It's awesome to me. Every time you go into the freaking like a mine or something. And that freaking brutal ass horn part comes out like And when you go when the freaking judges start walking out and the freaking Imperial March is like like that that crap is badass. Or like in that other that other minds, there's like two minds songs, right? There's that other one I sang, and then there's that one where from out of nowhere, the freaking music just goes dun 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 dun, and then dies down again. Man, all those dramatic music, everything, yep. All those dramatic, you know, moments that the dude creates are awesome. And as I mentioned in my freaking script in my segment, uh, the 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 town music, man. Like nearly all the towns have. Several of the towns have the same music, and it's that same music as the uh, when Mount Burr Omise's town gets like destroyed. It's, oh. that, it's that sad chords, just mm. very you know cinematic again, but it, it's really dramatic. And like I said, like when you go to the to the town outside of the Empire and you like talk to all these poor people, and mm-hmm. you and you get the you get the camera angle, you let the freaking chords just be like da na na and. It's it's all dramatic. Really somber violins playing somewhere off in a corner. Yeah, exactly. So, yes to uh, 
Yes to Hitoshi Sakimoto. More of him, please. <laughs> Put that on your uh, car's bumper sticker. Exactly. Yes <laughs> to say yes. Car. Vote yes for Hitoshi <laughs> Sakimoto. <laughs> there we go. Who? Yeah, nobody knows who that guy is. <laughs> All right, I think I think that might wrap it up unless you had any yeah. other bonus questions. Uh, no, I don't think so. That that was a good one. <laughs> All right, then I think that's going to wrap it up for the episode 10 yeah. of Turn-Based Memories. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, anyone who might be willing to subscribe or tell a friend. Um, as we say at the end of our episodes, we have roughly a monthly release schedule, but as you may have noticed, we were uploading a couple extra things yeah. uh, during the month uh, for our top tens. We both have our own top ten videos. Go ahead and check those out. Uh, those kind of come up as they come up. We don't have a schedule for those interstitial ones. Yeah. The main turn-based memory episodes do come up roughly monthly. Uh, and speaking of the next episode, would you like to introduce what the next one will be? Yes, the game comes out, uh, assuming I can get this up on time, tomorrow, September 4th, Dragon Quest Eleven. Oh boy. Neither of us have played it, obviously. Actually, that's true, I played a little bit of the Japanese version. <laughs> oh. But not that much, not that much, I'm basically still new to it. Well, I'll be playing on the PC, I'll be getting it day one, and I'll be working my way through it, um... We did a little bit of Dragon Quest already on this show. The original. So I would be curious to see uh, where Eleven sort of takes us. Yeah, I'm wondering too. You you kept mentioning it in your top ten. Like, I have, like, you sounded like you had a feeling this is just going to blow away all the other Dragon Quests. So hopefully uh, you're right. I, I'm only going by the fact that Dragon Quest only seems to be very iterative. So I'm like, the next Dragon Quest is going to be better than the last one. Like, uh, they're not going to reinvent the wheel. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But, it's going to uh, be the we'll same see. thing again, probably. Yeah, Yeah, it's <laughs> going to be like, you know, prettier eight. But, you know, maybe there's going to be some differences. We'll see. Yeah, we will. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, so that'll be another um, somewhat different episode where we will be both playing a game for the first time. We'll probably have a similar format in yes. the discussion section again. Yes. Uh, so stay tuned for, uh, for that. If everything goes according to plan, we'll have that out in roughly a month's time. Uh, go ahead and make sure you subscribe so that you know when that actually comes out. Yep. Uh, and if Zoltan has anything else to say, uh, I'm just going to say thank you for watching. Subscribe and good night. Good night. <laughs>